This is the Come Up Steps to Success podcast with your hosts, James Lawson and Courtney Steven. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Come Up podcast where we teach you the steps to success. And that's right, real life blueprints from athletes, artists, entrepreneurs, and authors. And this week is a lot more of the same. So we're talking to my man, Daniel G. And now, what up, what up, what up? Now, Daniel, I, I don't know how to say your name, so we're just going to leave it at Daniel G, but I'm going to definitely post it up in the show notes so that people can really look you up. But, um, you know, Daniel is a global sales trainer, keynote speaker with over 10 years of sales experience. He's earned his stripes in both B2C and the B2B environments, generating over $20 million worth of business for over 300 corporate clients. And his astonishing success is really no accident because Daniel's an innovative young professional with a unique style that is nothing short of inspiring. If you've heard this man speak, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you better get familiar. Today, I'm going to see if I can get him to give me a few of his best secrets and, and get a glimpse into some of that material that he teaches at his seminars and through his online sales academy, um, the redasales.com. So, Daniel, what's good, man? Man, what, what's up? I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm doing shadow boxing as you're talking because every time somebody reads out my bio, I feel like all pumped <laughs> up like I'm a boxer in the corner. I'm like shaking it off, feeling like Conor McGregor in the right corner. Hey. Anyway, I'm ready to rock and roll, bro. Thank you. Honestly, bro, I've been since that first day. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to give a little background story so everybody can kind of catch up and understand where we're coming from. But since that first day when we were at Shopify in Toronto and uh, we went to that entrepreneur uh, networking event, kind of, it was a spinoff of that Gary V event that was in Toronto a few months earlier and you were the keynote speaker, man, I mean, I've been waiting to get you on this podcast because you just got nuggets dropping out left, right and center all over the place, just dropping knowledge, man. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm excited too. Thank you for having me on, Gordon. Thank you. Sick, man. So, I mean, I, I know you, but a lot of these people may or may not have heard of you at this point in time. So why don't you uh, tell everybody like where you're from? Um, yeah, like how old yeah. you are, where you're from, how you got started in sales, and just we'll just yeah, go yeah. from there. So um, grew up in not a small city anymore. It's Mississauga. We have a population of over a million people. Don't live here currently right now. Um, live in Toronto, about 10 minutes away. So grew up in Mississauga. Um, you know, I was the kid at a very young age selling everything. So if we really want to tie it down, probably when I was 12 years old, I started my first business. I would, I would, uh, I would, I would have my driveway open. I painted a sign on some Bristol board and uh, had bike washes and bike tune-ups. So it all started there. Um, 13 years old, you know, parents split up, sort of had my aha moment at a very young age. Um, I always tell the story, you know, I put a small candy on a conveyor belt. My dad looked at me that day. He said, you're not getting that today. So I'm like, shit, that was the day I realized like, dude, I'm not going to get anything. This guy can't afford me like a dollar candy or whatever it is. This guy's not going to give me nothing. Light bulb went off, went back home to my brother and literally anything Courtney I can get my hands on. I started flipping from Gatorade to high school, like in bulk to aeration services was actually making a lot of money over the weekend. So from 17 um, to 19 years old, I call this my dark period of life. I got involved into university. And the reason why I was my dark period is, is because, dude, I was pushing a lot of money before 17 years old, probably making almost as I'm making right now on a weekend from some other corporate sales gigs and mentorship. So I was making a lot of money. Then the moment I got into university, started studying a lot. And then I had a prof tell me, 
in third semester, he said, if you want to make six figures coming out of this um, program, you're probably in the wrong place in the wrong program. And I looked at this guy, I'm like, this guy's cracked. So I, I, uh, I'm like, I was well on my way probably by the age of like 23, 24 to make six figures. So I uh, dropped out of university that day. That like, to me, Courtney, honestly, at that point, a lot of people ask me like, how did you drop out? Why did you drop out? Dude, I didn't care. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't care about like, you know, I know education's a great equalizer. I didn't care about anything. All I cared about at the time was how do I make money? That's all I cared about. Financials, financials, financials. The moment this guy told me that I'm not going to make six figures, I thought I was only in school that once I get my degree, I'm going to make six figures. So that was kind of that other aha moment. Dropped out of university. Um, shocked my family again because they're like, oh, my God, you know, Daniel's selling everything. He finally got into university. Nobody thought I was going to be getting into, like, college university. So I was the underdog. Dropped out of that. And they're like, oh, shit, what's Daniel up to now? Got my first sales job um, in downtown Toronto. A very, like, um, high-intensity Wolf of Wall Street. If anybody watched that movie, high-intensity Wolf of Wall Street sales job. Banging out, like, 150 sales calls every single day. Managed to leverage that job at the age of 20 to get into a medical device sales career. And this is really where I collected my bread and butter for the last four years. Um, I managed about, I was the youngest medical rep on the road to ever be hired in North America. Um, managed about 76 hospitals and was selling medical device equipment. Um, you know, sales would be anywhere from 100000 to like $2 million sales. So I was living a pretty sweet life from 20 to 24. And, um, you know, you're, you're never going to, like, there's always going to be more weight on the bench press. There's always going to be more, like, money to be made. And, you know, I realized that money just wasn't everything. And it wasn't a complete thing to fulfillment and happiness. And I'm glad I realized that at a very young age. So last year, um, I branched off on my own and opened up our own online sales training platform with a bunch of other mentors on it and myself. And now we have a full-blown sales training university. I do speaking and coaching on the side. So that's the full bit. That's where we stand right now. Holy smokes. Like, so... Man, look, we're going to have to unwrap this. We're going to have to unpack this because, like, I know me personally, I relate to a few of the things that you're saying on just, like, where your head was at and what you were feeling in your perspectives. But it's, like, to to really make those leaps and actually do those things that you did, like, that takes a different type of personality. That takes a different type of I, – I, I venture to say, like, courage even because – I mean, I know a lot of the listeners out there, we all, we all want to get that money. Like everybody's thinking about profit, like profit first. If you're in business and you're not making money, you're really not in business. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I like, mean, well, well, money is like the way I see it just to like money is sort of like your report card in school, the same way they grade us with A, B, C, D and E and percentages. It's the same way. Like money is your indicator of, I think, how well you're doing in business. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of right? sense. So like. Um, how did you even get the courage or like, where was your mind at to be in school? You know, like where a lot of us have been and just know at the, the, that the time was right for you to step aside and do something different. Like, did you have a specific plan at the moment when you left or was it one of those things where you just knew that you were going to go all in and you're going to kind of build the plane as you flew it? You know what? I'll be I didn't, I didn't know. I actually didn't know the game plan. So it's a good question. What I did know, what I did know is I was certain that I did not, I did not want to be like the prof that was teaching me. I didn't want to be like him. I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want the job he had. I didn't want the careers they were telling me I had to get into. I was certain about that. So when I dropped out in obscurity, the state of being unknown, I go home that day and this is where it hit me. It's like, I always say, don't make the perfect decision, make the decision first and then find a way to make that decision perfect. So I went home that day, 
same thing, the, the same way I went home when I went to my brother, I'm like, dad, Steven, dad didn't give me that dollar candy. And I'm like, what are we going to do next? I went home literally back at 19 years old. I'm like, Steve, I just dropped out of university. I don't know if you don't, I don't think we should tell like my parents or like, you know, aunts and uncles yet. But I said, what do I do next? And he's like, shit, man. He's like, probably only job. Like, he's like, what were you good at? I'm like, man, I think I was good at sales. Like I was selling. So I just went back and here was my formula. I didn't know I didn't have a game plan, but the first thing I did was go back into either one of my strengths or what I was curious about. That's the first step. So it's a three-step process of how I found this. Step number one, I went back into my curiosities. So I'm like, shit, you know what? I was curious. I'm like, what would I, you know, if I just took this game to another level, because I was selling small things, you know, always like selling here and there, CDs, door-to-door services. What can I, maybe a real estate agent, maybe an insurance rep, maybe a medical rep, maybe a software rep. I'm like, let me explore the sales thing. So went back onto my curiosities. Curiosity propels you towards the future. You're always curious. You're like the cat in the bag looking for something else, right? So went back into what I'm curious about. And it's huge because people are like, how did you find your passion? It's way too fluffy, man. Like some people just don't sit down on Sunday watching football thinking they're going to find their passion and write it out. You have to go back to what you're curious about. What do you think you could be good at? Then step number two, self-educated myself. So I went back into my curiosities and I applied to 100 sales jobs in downtown Toronto. Not the best ones. Some were freaking call centers, inside sales, over the phone. The moment I landed my normal job, probably just at minimum wage with some commission, I went right to chapters and I started self-educating myself. I started, like, I grabbed probably every single week. I started every single commission check, whether it was 20 bucks, a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, spent it all on chapters. Just started grabbing sales books. My library's full. Um, am I still there, Courtney? Can you still hear me? A hundred percent, bro. I'm taking you in. So, so I, I'm taking so a few thing, notes because we're going to have to circle back and dig deeper into this, but keep going. Yeah, so curiosity, self-educating myself, um, you know, formal education will make you a living. Everybody knows this. Um, self-education will make you a fortune, right? So went back, self-educating no. myself. So listen, say that one more time. Formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. Wow. Oh, wow. Jim Rohn. Amen. Go one ahead. of my favorite quotes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Self-educated myself, became a beast literally at 19 years old, did not go to clubs, was stopped like smoking weed, stopped doing all the drugs, everything, stopped hanging out, neglected, cut all the fat from my friend circle. 19, I was disciplined at health, started self-educating myself. Then I'm like, geez, I'm getting really good at this sales thing. And uh, the thing was like, I was learning and I was applying the next day. And if anybody wants a formula to really become a master at something, I say learn something one day or learn something one week. So it's L-A-T, learn something one week. So L, learn, apply something the next week. So apply those techniques, those mindsets, application. Then the last thing is teaching it. So once I learned it, I would apply it the next day at my sales job. I would go home right away the next day and go teach the stuff to my brother. And that's where you, that's where you, that's where you become like, that's where you become a beast and whatever it is that you're doing. Like right now, me saying this, me saying this, I'm actually learning more than your audience. Take it in right now. Me giving you this information, Mm -hmm. I'm learning more and I'm engraving this or sorry, I'm engraving this more into my brain than your audience. So tomorrow when I'm down in New York and I'm giving a keynote, dude, this stuff comes out like 10 times easier because I'm teaching it. So it's learn, apply, teach. So I went to go do that self-educated myself. Went back to my strike, and then I just went on full execution mode. We could talk about that. So it's curiosity, self-education, execution. 
Goodness gracious. So, like, I mean, you might not have had a specific roadmap, but you definitely had a plan because it, it sounds like, man, you're a go-getter. Like, you were focused. You had something inside you burning that was going to allow you to put away those distractions because a lot of people struggle with going from that idea stage or that I really want to do this stage to the stage where they're actually doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, so what they have is it's called and I never really had this, and I still don't have it at all. What you just explained is something called emotional baggage called mental bullshit is what it's called. It's so hard for 90% of people in life to go from point A to point B. Why? Because from point A, and John or Sally wants to get to point B, there's so much stuff in between, which is called emotional baggage that holds people back. And typically these things never happen, but it, it, it sounds like things like this. You know, it sounds like, you know, what would happen if I did this? What do you think my parents would think? What, what happens if I drop out? What do you think my brother's going to think? What happens if I did this? You know, maybe they're going to look at me wrong. If I make a lot of money, what do you think? And it's all these things that build up in our head that stop us from ever taking action. There's really only, I'd say, about 5 to 10% of people that actually have to strategize to things. The other percent of people literally got to take what I just said five minutes ago, make the decision, then find a way to make it right. They just got to make the freaking decision. Many people just don't do anything. So they get nothing accomplished in life. Like they don't do anything. They never really start anything. Because they want to have right? a perfect plan. They want to be able to go in there and not take any losses, I feel. A hundred percent. Do you want to know why? This is huge. People are addicted. They're literally addicted to comfort. The subconscious is addicted to comfort. And you can never become successful if you're always freaking comfortable of what your current standards are. So what do I mean by that? People are addicted. People are actually addicted to failure. People are addicted to quitting. People are addicted living paycheck to paycheck. I know this is going to sound crazy. They would rather do that than get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to get, see, people don't want to become successful. And I'm just going to go off for a second. People don't want to become successful because they're actually scared. Here's the number one reason. Because they're scared of what success looks like. They're scared of what they'll do with all their money. They're like, oh, I don't even know how I'm going to deal with that. So they never really do anything. Because they're like, you know what? That's, that's a bit uncomfortable. I can't even think of that. Like that uh, That's way too much. So they're comfortable in their current thing. Like they're actually scared. So what I say is, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Little tips. It's like, I, right now, I'm going down to New York. And I identify these small things for you. So I'm like, oh, you know what? Every single time I fly on a plane, I always take economy every single time, whether it's somebody playing for my flight or whether it's myself, I'm always freaking flying economy every single time. Like there's babies screaming beside me. We know how it is. I always fly economy. So here's the deal. I'm like, I need to get a taste. I need to get uncomfortable here. I need to get a taste of what business class feels like. What these success? So I book business class. You feel I'm going? Like I always take a taxi to the airport. I'm like, no, no, no. I gotta start getting uncomfortable. Taxi was sixty bucks. Let me try to take a limousine and see how it feels. Now when I show up, I even feel better. When I show up to my talk, I'm like, dude, I pulled up in a limousine here. I didn't pull up in a taxi. I pulled up in a limousine. Energy's higher, confidence higher. I just get uncomfortable. I was always comfortable flying economy. I was always comfortable taking a taxi. I was always comfortable taking Uberette. Getting uncomfortable, doing things that are uncomfortable. Right. People and are addicted to comfort. I feel like, I mean, me personally, I have this, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like a mantra, right? You know, we both do public speaking, but it's like, 
I, I'm early in my public speaking career. You know, I've been speaking for about seven years or so, but I haven't been hitting those stages like that. But in my mind, before I go on stage, I always tell myself, I do $50,000 speeches. I just ain't getting paid right yet. You know, and I always, mm. I always tell myself that. Mm. And I feel like that's similar to your, what you're saying. It's like, let me take this limo right quick because that's the kind of lifestyle I want to live. So let me live it right now so I could be in, in my truth. I could bring that energy to myself and I can, you know, get aligned with where my goals really are at. You know, not in an excessive way, but more so in a mindset. Like when you're capable of doing those type things, just to kind of put yourself in that frame of mind, like, like let's go for the gusto right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? The way I see it is I like how you said you're like, I'm just not getting paid that right now, but I'm a $50,000 speaker. I, 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 what I'm doing is I'm collecting. So what do I mean by that? I know I'm a $50,000 speaker. I know I'm a $100,000 speaker. I'm just not getting paid that. I'm just collecting my $10,000. I'm not getting paid $10,000 every keynote. I'm just collecting it. So on the 10th one or the 100th one, that's my 100000 That's when I get paid my 100000 Mm-hmm. I'm just collecting the small ones. It's like objections. I'm like, you're in sales. Every time you hear a no, if you know you make a sale on every 10th no and the 11th one's a yes, you just collect your 10 no's and every sale's a thousand bucks. You're just collecting a hundred bucks every time somebody tells you no. Same thing. I'm like, I'm just collecting it. That sounds like a, that sounds like a real salesman attitude. But I feel like <laughs> going back to how you even got into it, you said that you were making you made like a hundred calls or applied to a hundred different jobs. And then you said, once you got into your job, you were really hitting the phones, like making 150 calls a day. Like these are humongous numbers, right? Like a lot of people go out there and apply to 10 jobs and just, you know, cross their fingers. But like, are you really, you're really hitting the phones like that. You're really, you know, beating down the list, emailing, just, uh, you know, having a lot of touch points. Is that like one of the keys to your sales success? Like, Talk, talk to me a little bit about just being relentless. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was, it's funny because it all comes back in a circle. I could say that was my early days, Courtney. I was doing, and I was very modest about it. Like 150 was actually a modest number because I remember it was 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. So reality, I was doing 200 plus. And that's cold calls, not warm calls, not people hitting my site. That was cold calls from Google, me generating lists, and cold calling companies. Um. It's funny. It all comes back. I literally last week, I had a day where I made 240 cold calls. So owner of a company inside sales rep, I still picked up the freaking phone because I know it's the most powerful thing you can ever use in business. It's the most powerful thing ever invented. You and I were just having a conversation about that. But um, and there's so many ways I can utilize it now, like send somebody over a video message after I'm done talking to them, whatever it may be. So I'm still in that high volume kind of business picking up the phone um number one reason because i know a lot of people aren't doing anymore and they're trying to tackle different avenues so if you get really good at it and you're really sharp and you know your product inside out and you know your industry inside out and you could get that decision maker on the phone it really strikes a bell with them because not everybody's doing it everybody's trying to do the follow-up thing the advertising thing like i do all of those things to support the phone game so number one to answer your question I'm in the trenches every single day. So I'm still a practitioner. I'm not the guy that just goes on podcasts or do talks. I'm actually still a salesman 24 seven. I don't know what I would do if I wasn't getting on the phone, sending out emails, shaking clients' hands, you know, being in lunches and things like that. I'm a salesman at heart. I truly believe nobody. And to answer your question will ever get good in any single industry, especially sales, but especially entrepreneurship. If they don't go wide first and get really like, 
frequent on whatever it is that they're doing. Like they're making a thousand calls. They're whether it's a business, they're knocking on actual dentists. If they're a marketer trying to do like social media marketing for dentistry, they're actually knocking on the door, shaking hands, getting real conversations in there. I think it you have to go wide first and really figure out what the product is, what people want, get answers back from them until you get good at anything. Like I couldn't get good at two conversations. I try to tell my reps this now. I'm like, dude, you're sending out five emails and making five phone calls. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's fine. But don't think, because everybody's like, oh, Daniel, but I want to sell like you and sales. I'm like, you know, it's going to take you like 50 years though. And it's true. Now I see sales reps. We always hear it. Oh, the old sales guys now making money at like 40, 50 years old. I'm like, dude, don't think you're going to get to this point in the next like five years. It's going to take you 10, 20 years. You just haven't done enough. Entrepreneurship is like, it's not an ass. Everybody's trying to just scale. They have nothing to scale. They don't have conversations. They don't know the product. They don't know the industry. Everybody's trying to scale the moment they get into business. Mm-hmm. They're trying to jump all the steps. So like, what are, some, to, what are, what are some of the, what, what are some of your favorite um, or some of your go-to methods of communication? Cause you know, this is a, this is a technology era, right? So like, obviously you said um, you're going to call people. That's like the po- most powerful tool ever invented or whatever you said, but like you said, even yeah. follow up with a video call, like or a video message. I feel like that would be kind of cool because you don't get that. You don't get that every day. Here's a, here's a good standard process. The reason why I'm saying the telephone is so powerful is because that is truly when you build the credibility and you have if you're not in person. That's where it's done because 99% of things are done online. So here's the process: you start a good marketing funnel, you have an ebook, you started a company, you have a membership website, whatever it is that you do, you have a service and offering, a product, a podcast. So you're promoting it online, whether it's through Instagram, a website, SEO, paid advertisements, Facebook ads, perfect. You have a funnel set up, whatever it may be. You have some call to action. They send out some lead forms, okay? So they have their email, their phone. People better get their phone number and their name. I want it all, dude. I want their email, their name, their phone number. And now you start getting 100 signups every single month. You start off slow, 10 signups a month, 100 signups a month. I guarantee you, and it's always proven, I am always going to beat the guy that just tries to email when me and my partner are emailing and then following up with a phone call and then following up with a tailored video message, like with my face, a selfie. So what do I mean? I had to leave, put them through a drip campaign, through about four touch points, you know, four emails. Um, and then, like, you know, after the fourth email on the seventh day, I pick up the phone and I give them a call. Talk about it, talk discussion. If it has to get closed there, if I have to follow up, I'll follow up put something a bit more personal so I'll literally get on my telephone, crack open my camera. Hey, Jim, if they had a conversation with me, thanks for having a conversation. You know, appreciate you taking like 15 minutes out of your time. I know how important it's for you. Can't wait to work in synergies together down the road. Um, let me know if you need any questions or concern. You have my email and my direct number. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Bye. Click. The reason why I want to be on the telephone is now it's freaking personal. Now I have your cell phone number. Now I can text you at eight o'clock at nighttime and you'll freaking answer because not a thousand sales reps and a thousand entrepreneurs are texting you. Mm. I know I'm going to get to the close quicker than the guy that's just trying to email. I have to tackle you from every, like what I'm trying to do, Courtney, if you were a client, I'm cornering you off. I'm trying to get you on Instagram, whether you answer or not, I'm going to get you through email. Whether you answer or not, I'm going to find you on LinkedIn. Whether you answer or not, I'm going to find you on Facebook. Whether you answer or not, I'm going to have your thing because you, I know you inputted it on my website. I'm going to have your phone. Like I'm trying to hit you from every single point. Mm-hmm. Man, that is 
But like, I think that's what it takes though, right? You're talking about doing $20 million in business, right? That doesn't happen by accident. So like, I'll be honest with you, this game is easy. Like I was in the most complex sales environment, medical sales. You're trying to sell a 20 year old kid is trying to sell the most highly educated people on planet earth. You're selling doctors and engineers in hospitals. You're selling 17 people before you get a yes on a hundred dollar product or a million dollar product. People think I was walking with a suitcase and making a sale that day. Some sales cycles would take a year to four years to get closed because there's so many like compliances and procedures they have to follow. Very complex industry. One of the most complex industries to get something sold. Now you're talking about sales, a hundred dollar product, thousand dollar mentorship programs. Man, this stuff is easy. Yeah, I could imagine, man. Like you basically got trial by fire going into the medical sales and then stepping out of that. But I feel like that alludes to my next point, which was kind of you went from being the sales professional to then yeah. teaching the sales professionals. Like, how how did you manage to, uh, like, where did that idea even come from? And then on top of that, a lot of people struggle with, like, packaging up what they know and making it understandable and, like, something that's, you know, coherent, like, something that you can understand, you know? So, like, tell me about how you made that little jump from being on one side of the phone to, you know, being in front of the class and just teaching people. Yeah, I mean... The, the good thing about it is I, I always say test-based, so like A-B testing. So say I was in, good question, if I was in medical sales, and man, this was probably one of the hardest jumps in my life. First of all, people have to understand on the, phone, on the conversation right now, the audience has to understand, like as a young kid, 23 years old, if I finished off my year, I probably would have brought in $750,000 worth of income if I finished off. 2017 for me to jump a job at seven like well on my way to make that in commission was was like you're trying to eliminate any risk possible but you don't know what you get into in entrepreneurship but you're like dude this better be like i know i'm not going to make that my first one but like am i going to make some profit so you obviously have that thing there's obviously you know some sort of question going on your head so what i said is i'm like let me start testing this out let me start testing this out how how do people reply to my messages First, start off locally, dude. I started training friends. I started getting up in front of friends and family, train them. I trained everybody as if they thought as a third grader into my complexity of sales. I'm like, okay, if this person can learn it, this person can learn it. Then I started doing small companies. Then I started doing my Instagram lives. I'm like, okay, these people are resonating. Then I started seeing my strengths. I started making out a mind map. Um, maybe we can get into this a bit more. So like it's a mind map with all my kind of thoughts on paper. And then I start organizing them to my strengths, to like my my weaknesses um, in sales. And then what I started doing is I started blueprinting. I started blueprinting. My mentor always used to say, why draw when you can trace? I started blueprinting the most successful people in my industry and what they've done, taking that, never changed the fundamentals. If I were to change the fundamentals of sales, it would have never went nowhere. Like I would have been in a hole right now if I tried to change the fundamentals. I never trust people that try to change fundamentals in anything really. There's fundamentals to businesses. If you try to, I don't trust people that change fundamentals. I, I sort of like you wouldn't trust somebody that manufactures antiques. I wouldn't trust that person. <laughs> I don't trust somebody that changes the. I don't trust somebody that changes the fundamentals. They're so trying I to said, change the rules the of the game, right? But you, you're you're saying that there is a like a way that things work, and it's all about understanding how that how that way works. Hundred percent. So what I did was. I went back. I'm like, what are all these old sales trainers doing? 
looked at all their material. I'm like, okay, so that's how they're structuring it. That's how they're doing it. Perfect. Now what do I do? Now I put my Daniel twist on it. I look, so I start blueprinting that. And then I look at today's buyer and how are the, how are the buyers buying today? What are they doing today? What are they going on? Google, blah, blah, blah. And I implemented that into the old sales process and I made a twist about it. And I'm making sales fun at the end of the day. That's what, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm making sales because it's a very stressful environment. You know, only the cream of the crops really make it. I'm trying to put a twist to sales and I'm actually trying to get it out there. That's why I'm at schools and everything like that. I'm trying to promote it because it's not promoted enough in schools, colleges, high schools. Like, I didn't know what an account executive was, dude. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that account executive salary paid $60,000 base salary. And the shittiest person in account management would make $80,000. I didn't know that term existed. I didn't know that a software rep existed. I didn't know this existed for like Microsoft mm-hmm. in high school. Right. So like nobody told me you're good at communication. You should get into account management. Right. And communication is like one of your main weapons, right? Cause like at the end of the day, yeah. it's about you communicating what is the value that somebody's going to get out of something. I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's what a sale is. It's like you illuminating the fact that somebody needs what you got. That's it. Yeah. Man, so like in, in all of the training that you've done, um, what are some of like I know you must you do a lot of Q and A's in your in your Instagrams and stuff, but we'll get back to that. But like you, you get a lot of feedback obviously from people who are learning and you know, they probably have some common issues or some common questions or like some common mistakes. Like what are some of the common mistakes that you see inexperienced sales professionals making? Yeah, yeah. Um Sales is nothing but two very simple things. And then everything else can literally, I'm telling you, Courtney, everything can be taught. I don't believe it has to be in your DNA to be a great salesperson. I don't believe that. So what do I mean by that? If you have these two very clear things and you have these, sales can be taught. I can teach everything else depending on that person's competency levels within a week, a month, a year, 10 years, depending on how competent they are. Number one, self-discipline. Number two, process. Or we could say number one, process. Number two, self-discipline. Number one, process. Every good business, every sales cycle, every company has a process. And the process is very, very simple. What do I mean by that? You play football. The moment you score a touchdown, you got your six points, whatever it is. Now you're going either for the two-point conversion or you're going for your field goal. Okay. So I got two options. Team decides, Patriots decide to go for the field goal. So what happens? There's a process in place. You got, um, man, all your football guys are going to hate me for this because I'm, I'm not going to get all the terminology right. So you got the guys that are connecting, that are protecting. So um, offensive, offensive line. linemen, I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. You got your linemen uh-huh. protecting the guy that's going to snap the ball. We'll call him, what do you call a guy snapping the ball? Center, the center. <laughs> so you got the guy. Yo, I'm so glad that I can teach you something on this. Let's go. <laughs> so you got, so you got, you got the lineman. Are there, is that defensive lineman or offensive lineman? That's the offensive line, and the people who are trying to stop you from scoring on the other end are the defensive line. Okay, okay. So mm-hmm. I got those. Listen, that defensive line, dude. They're freaking hungry. Okay, oh, they're hungry. starving. Okay. They want to. They want to. They want to clear out the guy that's kicking the ball. Like they want that fumble. Listen, you got that whole defensive line 
lined up. You got the center. You got the guy that's gonna catch the ball. What do you guys? What do you call the guy that's catching the ball? That that has to. It's a it very down? technical name. They call him the holder. <laughs> you got the crazy guy that has the crazy job. He has to catch the ball, the holder, set it down, and then you got the kicker. Am I right? You got that one on the head. Okay. Okay. So I got all those guys in place. Here's what happened. Defensive linemen don't do their job. Offensive linemen, correct, run through, tackle the guy snapping the ball right away. The guy that snaps the ball, the center that snaps the ball, he doesn't snap it right, puts it way too far back, the holder doesn't catch it. The holder has butterfingers that day. It was a perfect snap but doesn't catch the ball. The kicker can't kick the ball. Guess what that's called? That's called a process. And within that process, every single person on that uh, conversion point has to be self-disciplined, has Mm -hmm. to do their job. Mm -hmm. So if I'm building out a team, I'm like, if I'm looking at a sales rep, I'm like, there's a process. You come in the company, you drink the Kool-Aid, you read this book, this is sales. This is the process. Now you get disciplined. Sales is not a nine-to-five job. Okay. The football people, they're every single one is, dude, they, you've done it a thousand times. You went through the motion a thousand times, 40, a, a thousand, dude, you've done it a hundred thousand times. Mm-hmm. More, more, more likely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's called discipline. Like those same way. Okay. How, how crazy now I'm going to flip this back on you. When you ask me, see, I'm, I'm the sales guy. You're the football player. When you ask me, so Dan, man, you were out there doing a hundred cold calls a day, man. Like you were seriously in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You were doing the same thing. Right. You were out there making a hundred catches a day. Right. You right. were really out there in the trench. It's the same thing. Right. And that, and that's, I guess that's where a lot of people overlook is that uh, it's, it's easy to say that, yeah, I could go to the gym and, you know, work out every day or whatever, because that's not what, people are necessarily doing uh it's easy to say that the other people yeah it's easy they just gotta go shoot a ball or catch a ball or make phone calls until you're in the spot and it's your turn and it's like if you're a writer now you gotta write a thousand words a day every day or whatever it is that you gotta do in order to get your ten thousand hours of mastery so that you can really be you know to the elite level that you want to be at i think that's a great point man like you got to have your process and then you got to be disciplined inside of your process that's really the only way to you know do anything discipline dude it's it's you there's no like there is absolutely it's funny number one there are no shortcuts to discipline sweat equity and time there is absolutely no shortcut there's no shortcut people get in sales i'm like dude it's not a nine to five it's a 7 a.m. to whenever p.m. and weekend. Right. Don't come in. It's a relationship it's business, one. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's the same thing for you. When you were young, you would go to practice, the same thing, dude. Then you would hit the field with your boys and still keep playing. Like, it's not, you don't just get good from, like, the one-hour practice every single day. But here's the deal. People only see in life the tip of the iceberg. They only see that. So they only see you when they pay the $99 to get in the stadium or when they watch you on TV, they only see what you're showing them front. And you know where I'm going with this. They only see if you caught the ball or if you fumbled it that day, Mm -hmm. they don't care what you did. They don't know how many times 
you freaking did that process a million times, they only see the tip of the iceberg. That makes a lot of sense. And a lot of them, dude, here's what happens, because people get crushed. When I tell people this, then they're like, oh, shit, then I got to prove to everybody the whole process. So then they start Snapchatting their whole day, showing people that they're working. Right? People, and then people never really execute because then they're like, well, if they only see the tip of the iceberg, I don't want to work that much because then if I fail, then they're just like, oh, you failed. Dude, this is like they only see the tip of the iceberg and there's two responses. Listen, Corny, I told you, man, you would never get to the CFL. That's one response. Daniel, I told you this wasn't meant for you, this whole sales and entrepreneurship thing. Uncle, at Sunday dinner. I told you, man, petting you on the head. Dude, this is not on our family. We don't make millions of dollars here. We don't produce millionaires. I told you, but it's okay, man. And they start tapping you. Or the other response is this, man, that Courtney guy, dude, he's just lucky, man. He's just lucky. That guy has some good genetics. You know, he's built good. He's fast, man. He's tall. You know, he has good hands. That Daniel guy, man, he's just lucky. He has good communication skills. Um, you know, he, he's, good at, he's good at closing out people. You know, very energetic. That guy's just lucky. So it's either told you couldn't do it, or that guy's just lucky. Mm -hmm. That's the reality of it. Like, that's seriously the reality of it. People don't, like, they act, don't try to prove them in the process. If I said that's the reality of it, like, they're saying one of those two things, only the people that really put in the sweat equity that were actually with you shoot in the gym, like Rick Watt said, like, they were actually with you, only know what, what it takes. If that's the outcome, I work so hard for people to say I'm lucky. Let me say that again. I work so hard. So every single day I hear from a family member, a friend, a colleague, somebody that works for me, too, man, you're so lucky. I work so hard to hear that line. Right. That's when I know I won. Right. And I mean, you got you to gotta also look in the mirror and ask yourself, like, who are you really doing it for? Because the same way you got to be disciplined, I think a very closely related virtue is focus, man. And when you're focused on what you want and uh, what your goals are, what your plan is, like you said, when you focus on your blueprint, or your, your, your roadmap, your mind map, then a lot of those outside noises and those voices, they get a lot quieter, you know, all that distraction, that stuff dims down and what you really want is going to become a lot more, uh, you know, apparent to you, especially the deeper you go, you know, you start out with an idea, but then as you really pay that sweat equity, I feel like, you know, it's easier to keep going once you're already waist deep, you know, the hardest part is always starting. Yep, 100%. Yep. Sick. Yep. So um, the the IG lives, man, those are just straight fire. And and I think at the beginning of this, you were saying, um, you know, learn, apply, teach, and how you're getting a lot out of this too. So when you now do- Now you connected that one, eh? Oh my you goodness. Bro, the IG lives, I get on there, I tune in sometimes, and it's literally, you just got- you got the water bottle. You're in the zone. I can tell you're like in the flow state, bro. People pop questions up and you're just like knocking down questions like left, right, and center. Who's got another one? Who's got another one? Like boom, 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 boom. Just like helping people through certain things um, as they come up just straight off the top of your head. But I feel like that's got to be that's got to be you going to the field and catching 100 passes, right? You're just really like sharpening your skills and like working on your reflexes. But um, where'd you get the idea for that? And like, how long have you been doing those Instagram lives? I mean, you're, you're, you're natural on there and, and it's captivating, bro. Not too many people can go live on video for an hour on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so that's a great question. I like these questions. Um, that was one of my, I think everybody, honestly, Courtney has a way of, has that way of how they should build their brand. And last February, 
great question. I was just, this ties back into what I answered a couple minutes ago when I said I was test-basing my market last February. I was actually in San Diego with the last sales meeting with my company. So it was about a year and four months ago, a year and five months ago. I was uh, like, oh, geez, Instagram Live, this thing looks cool. Literally started it, had about one person join me for about six months every single time. Had my good five followers, you know, just come in. Had a few hundred followers on Instagram. And dude, that just started like, it started doing two things and you nailed one. It said, holy geez, I'm getting so good at this sales teaching thing because I'm actually teaching it. I'm learning more about sales while I'm teaching it. I'm getting so much better. And this is like, ah, man, you said it when I was with you on live. It's like, this was like, this was like, this was like the mixtapes before the album. Remember when you said that? Yo, I stand by that um, analogy. Like that's, that's everything Everyone to me. I love that analogy, but yeah, that was like, you're putting out the little mixtapes, the free stuff, you know, letting the audience yeah. know what you had in store, but also working on your craft at the same time. I never mm-hmm. forgot when you said that it really clicked. Cause I'm like, see, everything is like action first, action first. Like we do things you and I, and then we think back, we're like, Oh geez. Like I didn't know all these concepts. I'm like, okay, so that's what I was doing. And then I would literally look at that process from third eye view. I'd be like, okay, now I can teach that process. Like I didn't think about it until you told me, you're like, yo, these are the mixtapes. Then you got your big album, which is like your keynotes, your podcast, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Your radio shows. Like you and I right now, like this is our breakfast television for me. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I really thought about that. It really hit me. So I started that IG live because I noticed that I noticed that people learn three different ways, kinesthetic learners, visual learners, auditorial learners. And I did it every single way on some of my IG lives. And it was just connecting with a lot of people. And I started seeing that's what was picking up the momentum and traction. So I stuck with it. I, I started going, I started going on uh, my whiteboard. So I literally started, you know, drawing out things, started using my hands, auditorial. Obviously, I speak very clearly. So I started incorporating all those three things as if it was a classroom. And dude, it just really picked up. And I seen how it was impacting some people. And I just stuck with it. Man, how has your Instagram account grown since you started doing the lives? Um, so really, I started heavily going on these lives last August. So almost, let's just say a year, I've been building at about probably anywhere between 1,000 to 1,500 every single month. Wow. that's uh... And the, re- the reason being is because I don't let people slip. So the moment I had this live stream, I literally treat it like a business. I see who joined from outer audience. Cause I see outer audience joining and I screenshot every single person mm-hmm. and dude, I have little, I have no ego. I follow that person. I engage with them on the DM. They follow me back and they start referring friends. Like, I'm like, yo, tell your other five friends to jump on the live, follow me. So like me and my partner, dude, we literally do the sweat equity over the Instagram. Like you've never cut a corner. Like this, this is, this is the blueprint folks. I mean, listen up. He's actually telling you legit how to do everything that you're trying to do. Pay attention. So, hey, I got this question for you. Um, you do a lot of public speaking, man. You travel, fly all over. I'm trying some more. I'm trying to, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're talking at schools. You're speaking with companies. You're teaching at big corporations like Salesforce and Remax. Um, like, two things, really. I guess it's a two-headed monster. Like, one, how do you go, how do you level up from just teaching your friends and family and doing the local thing to being able to have a platform and a stage where you can now reach people who are established in their careers and give them advice? And then two, 
what what really makes for a good presentation or a, a good speaker or a good you know seminar leader like those that's kind of like a two-part question but i I'd yeah. like to hear what you got to say on that so you know the number one thing is that i realized is about a year ago you couldn't pay me and i can promise you this and you could ask my friends um you couldn't pay me twenty thousand dollars to get up on stage in front of more than 10 people to do a keynote talk. Number one, you couldn't pay me to do it. I would get nervous. I would shut down or probably be about two years ago. The most I would do in sales presentations, Courtney was about three people in a board room. That's oh, the man. most. That's like the most, right? Really? So people see me right now and they're like, like you see me and you're like, dude, like this guy looks like bulletproof. Like this guy's raw, raw, jump around type of enthusiasm. He knows his thing. He's clear. He's cut. Like he's sharp when he's doing it. But I was not this person a year and a half ago at all. Like at all, dude, this is between you and I wasn't this person at all. You couldn't pay me. I would choke on my words when I was in marketing class. I hated big audiences. So what was the shit? I got good, dude. at just one thing, one process, sales, one thing in sales. And I started teaching that one thing and I developed absolute conviction in one process. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I started teaching it in small groups. And I've developed so much conviction in my sales process, my product, and my industry that that ger- generated that constrained enthusiasm. And just because I knew so much about that and I knew everything about sales, that's what built that energy and that confidence when I got onto stage to talk about everything else. Like when you become good at one thing, when you become like when you have so much conviction in just about producing watches, you never have to remember a lie. So you never get nervous and you talk about it freely. My mentor always says, you'll never get nervous if you're not lying. Every time you lie, you start choking up. Every time you don't really know something, you start choking up. Like every time it was marketing class or biology and stuff, dude, you're lying. You know nothing about it. You just studied it about four (laughs) minutes ago. That's why you're choking up. Right. But if I told you, Courtney, sit down in front of 10,000 people and talk about football, you'd be like, dude, let's roll. Light work. Yeah. But now if I told you, yo, Courtney, go remember my sales presentation and in one hour and then go teach them, you'd probably be able to remember it, but you don't know. You know you don't have conviction about it. You'd go stumble in front of that crowd. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's not authentic. Exactly. Exactly. So, so it, opened up a, it opens up a lot of doors when you get good at one thing. Like people are trying to dabble in cryptocurrency podcasts, social media advertising, e-com. Like they're trying to get into everything. And they don't become an expert in one thing. And that really, like, dude, I can smell it. I'm sure you could smell it as well. That really wears off in business. Because you know that, like, I can smell that phony from a mile away. Right. Definitely. I just got good at one thing. And then pretty much just slowly scaled it up, right? You went from, you know, small local places to maybe local businesses. And then it's a referral network. Do you find you get... um a lot of your events from referrals or are you going out and still beating the phones down like how you were when you were selling you know medical devices or whatever uh, you might have been selling at your other jobs like are you going out and finding all of these uh, gigs yourself or do some of them even come back to you so that's a great question I will never stop to the day I die until I have that gig every single day 365 days a year um, 
the reality is, man, I'm out there calling people, asking for referrals. Like, dude, I'm not, I'm anticipating rather than reacting to my Instagram DM. If somebody messages me, which it happens like once every month, once every week, somebody's like, yo, can you speak at this event? Can you speak at my school? This person wants you, this company wants you. I take it. But I am always full force Daniel doing the dirty work. Not even my partner, it's me. I have the conviction. I'm like, dude, I need more events. Why is my calendar open? Why don't I have sales meetings? Like, I don't put 99% of my stuff on my Instagram. I do a sales meeting every single morning for a different company. We don't film them because it's corporate confidential, so we can't. But, um, like, I, I book 99% of those meetings. Oh, my goodness. Hey, so you got to... I book you... 99 So those are my talks. Like, those are my... That, that's really my field. Like, in front of those 30 sales reps, that's my talk. Um, and I book 99% of it. Sick. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just... better, too. Man, we're we're just getting we're getting towards the end of this now, but I want to ask you a couple uh, questions to kind of tie this all in. Um, finish this sentence for me. All right, my life would be perfect if already is. It already is. Ooh, <laughs> yo, I, I I mean, life is life is perfect, bro. I I woke up this morning. I'm good. I'm good. I feel like that's the kind of attitude you have to have if you're going to make 150, 200 phone calls and get hung up on 185 times. Yeah, yeah. Life is perfect when I get that Lamborghini. When I have 100,000 people listening to my message. When, you know, I marry the perfect girl. No, guess what, buddy? You're never going to get there because you don't have that energy and that gratitude prior to getting to that goal. So you're never going to get that Lamborghini. That's so real. That is absolutely factual. Those are actual factuals, folks. Write that down. And I promise you go back and listen to this again. You're going to catch something that you missed the first time. So, hey, like, let me ask you this then. Um, you're, you're, you're a superhero, okay? This is something we ask everybody who comes on the show. But you're, you're a superhero. And not one with a cape who's jumping over buildings and stuff. But, like, a real-life superhero who every day is making an impact, making a difference. Uh, you know, you're out there making plays, man. But if you had to really sum it up uh, in one thing, what would you consider to be your real life superpower? Showing people their unused potential. Yeah. Unused potential. Like, I'm showing people like, and I, I start seeing this more and more and the more people I interact with showing people that there's something cooking and I'm just that, like, that fire to their gasoline in that stomach, and I'm just there to light it up. But I show them that there's something unused there. And then by me just, you know, giving them a few techniques, a few mindset things, just like, boom. And I was just the gasoline to their fire. Like, that unused potential. That, that's the power. Man, I would My love... goal is to show 7 billion people their unused potential in any aspect of their life. You're, you, you are the catalyst to their success, right? You're just here to uh, show them what they don't even know they already got within them, huh? That's it. That's sick, man. I love that. All right. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you like a quick, you know, 30 to 60 seconds where I'm going to give you the mic. And it's a magic mic. Everybody in the whole world can hear you. All the young salespeople, all the young entrepreneurs, all the old entrepreneurs, everybody who's mm-hmm. in school coming up, hasn't come up yet, came up a long time ago, fell off, don't know what to do next. Everybody's listening, bro. Everybody's listening to you, but you got the mic right now. And you got one piece of advice that you want to give. What would that be? Okay, okay. So I came into this podcast. That's how I'm feeling right now, by the way, audience. Came into this podcast. 
Courtney opened up with the Wicked bio. I was the boxer. I just told you I was warming up. I was shadow boxing. I got my opponent in the corner. Now, just kicked ass on the podcast, won the fight, KO. And now I got the, this out. Like, you guys know, like, I literally have a mic in my hand. I'm drawing you guys a picture. I just won KO. Now, now you're saying I'm telling the world about kind of like the knockout and what, what give them some advice, like mm-hmm. Floyd or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. So here's the deal. I just talked for with Courtney for one hour. There are some people on here that are like, gee, how did this kid get so much done? By the way, you want to know my age 24. How did this kid get so much done within from like 19 to 24 years old? Seems like he had so many of these nuggets. Blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. I just don't doubt myself. And it's self-doubt that holds people back from whatever they want in their life. It's self-doubt that holds people back. I just don't doubt myself. When somebody asked me, dude, Dan, how are you writing a book right now, but you're speaking, you run a company now, you know, you're doing the online platform thing, you're doing this, you're doing that. How are you doing all these things? Well, I don't doubt myself that I can do it. Your self-doubt, and I think people may want to take notes on this very, very quickly because you gave me the mic for like a minute, so I think somebody's going to want to take notes. I always say note-takers are money-makers, so please grab a pen and paper. I'm going to pause for two and a half seconds. And write this down. Self-doubt comes from your self-concept. Your self-concept is basically who you are, and it's a bundle of three beliefs. This will dictate your performance and effectiveness in your life. Your self-concept will dictate your success in life, your performance and effectiveness in life. It's a bundle of three beliefs, all in which feed off each other. And I'll show you what I mean by that. Number one, write this down. Self-idealization. If you are lost right now, please write this down. Who do you idealize in life? Who is the perfect, if I gave you a magic wand and you were to wave that wand, what would that person look like? What kind of car, what kind of wife, what kind of business? Who do you idealize in life? Why is that so important? I can tell you if somebody's going to be successful from a very young age, if they're reading books, on Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, successful people in life, Nelson Mandela, all these successful people, and they're reading autobiographies on these successful people. Why? Their self-idealization, Courtney, is so freaking high that for the rest of their life, since the, since the bar is set so high, for the rest of their life, all their actions sort of align to that person. If their self-ideal is the kingpin in Section 8 of America, what do you think their actions are for the rest of their life? Dude, I want to be like that guy. I'm going to do everything that guy does to get to that person. Who do you idealize? If you don't have that, you're running off track. Who is that perfect? Draw him out. Draw him out. What's that perfect person? Because for the rest of your life, your actions, that's like the benchmark, your idealization, number one. Number two, self-belief. Self-image. Self-image. What is your self-image? Number two, what is your self-image? Meaning, who do you Tell yourself you are every single day. Why is that important? Because when you tell yourself you're that person, what what are you telling yourself every single day? Am I confident? Am I energetic? Am I a leader? Am I a speaker? Do I give people power? Do I show people their unused potential? I'm an athlete. I'm a great athlete. Who are you telling yourself you're every single day? Because the things you program your mind with, you start operating like that for the rest of your life. Now, here's where it comes in. When your self-image, the person you tell yourself, you are every single day and your actions act off that person, off that subconscious thought are aligned with the person you want to be like. 
when they're in full alignment, when you're telling yourself, I'm a leader, and you start acting like a leader every single day, and that's in full alignment with the person you idealize from that young age or the perfect you, you wave that magic wand. It's that perfect person. When they start aligning every single day, and, that, that, and you see it's in complete alignment, number three, your self-esteem, which is your energy core, starts to rise, and it's high, and it's always freaking high because you start feeling good about yourself. You're like, wow, I want to be like this person. And I'm doing something every single day that's in line to what that person would do. Now my self-esteem, number three, is always freaking high. My self, my energy core is always high. So when people ask me, Daniel, how do you have so much energy? I look back at all those two things. And when I'm lacking energy, I'm like, shit, who am I telling myself I am? Or better yet, do I even have somebody I'm idealizing? So I'm not working off script for the rest of my life. Like I'm not, I'm not going off cuff for the rest of my life story. Like, do I even have somebody? And now am I doing something every day that's aligned to that person? Cause if not, I guarantee you, I'm not going to be feeling good about myself. My energy core is going to be low. My confidence is going to be low. So check your energy core right now and go back to those three things. What's my self idealization? What's my self image look like every single day? What am I telling myself every single day? What am I doing every single day? And I guarantee you your energy core will dictate those last two things. That's it. Oh my goodness. Listen, do you guys understand that y'all are getting this podcast for free? You need to go and check this man out because this is a regular thing. This is why I was excited to get Daniel on the podcast because he don't do anything except drop bombs. So, Daniel, man, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that we could make this happen. You know, we're both busy running around all over the country and stuff, but we finally got it together. So I'm excited that people are going to be able to uh, share this conversation. And um, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where they can connect with you online, uh, where they can check out your sales school, and uh, where they can connect with you on social media. Yeah, yeah. No, first of all, thank you, Courtney. I appreciate you um, connecting me with you. Like, this, this means a lot. And first of all, by the way, you are one of the very few people that actually took into consideration some questions, and I actually enjoyed answering them, and they were well thought. So I absolutely, like, these are one of like my, this is going to be one in my books. Like this podcast is going to be one of my books just because of the way you dictated and you, you handle this. So thank you for doing that, my man. Pat on the back. Um, um, so, you know, first of all, Instagram, I'm obviously trying to grow that. Um, maybe Courtney will put the link somewhere. It's uh, Instagram.com forward slash Daniel Guaranya, D-A-N-I-E-L-G-U-A-R-A-G-N-A. I know that's difficult. Um, you know, our website, redisales.com. If you ever need some questions answered, we can always help you out. Um, and dude, I'm just, Facebook, same thing, same thing as Instagram. Maybe Courtney might post some links. Um, and by the way, very open, very accessible. If you guys need anything, um, it's not hard to get in contact with me. I try to follow up with everybody within 24 hours, especially through Instagram. I know I get flooded sometimes, so it's difficult. But um, I'm definitely still responsive and use me up as I'm here. Man, that's amazing. Thanks, that's amazing. And um there will definitely be some show notes at thecomeuppodcast.com and you guys could check me out on Instagram for a link in my story at the C Steven. You know, this is what we do. Every time you listen to an episode, you're getting the steps to success from real people out there making plays, making a name and making an impact. So thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you got a lot out of this because I know you got a little bit out of it. But if you go back, there's definitely some nuggets to uncover. So until next time, make sure y'all putting in that work and uh, stay on the come up. Peace.